Bhagavad Gita is a book of mankind's collected experience of and answers to life's most basic questions. Who I am? From where do I come? What is my purpose and destiny? And most practically, how do I find happiness? These podcasts originate in the lectures of Neil Bhatt, a disciple of Swami Chinmayananda. They are presented here in 20 to 30 minute segments, each covering three of the Gita's 701 verses. Welcome to Gita Wisdom for Daily Living. So we had been discussing chapter 10, Vruti Yoga, Yoga of Divine Glories. First six chapters, we learned about ourselves, then we learned how to meditate in chapter 6, so that we can turn our gaze inside and learn about ourselves. Then what to meditate upon, we had been learning since chapter 7. So chapter 7 was Gnana Vignana Yoga. What is knowledge and what is wisdom? We saw Bhagavan's two swarup. One is Prakriti, one is Purusha. And then in chapter 8 we have learnt about the imperishable Brahman. That which is the substratum of everything. So we had been grappling with our mortality and coming to terms with it, we have learned in chapter 2 that that which is mortal is not you. That which is immortal within you is you. So now the question is, how do I identify with this immortality? I am clearly identified with my mortality. I know I am a perishable being. I was born as a baby and I will die. But Bhagavan said that that's not who you are. The one who will be dying will not be you. It will be something else. That is something you have acquired and you have to give it up. You borrowed from the Prakriti, you have to give it back to the Prakriti. This body, this mind, this intellect is borrowed from the Prakriti for our own use. And now we are giving it back. What remains is you. And to understand what is that which I consider to be I is our quest from chapter 7 onward. And Bhagavan has explained to Arjuna in various ways. He said, I am the source of all the beings. Everyone comes from me. Everyone will dissolve in me. So would you. You are no different than everything else in this Prakriti. Therefore, whatever is applicable to the rest of the Prakriti is also you. But it's still difficult for us to conceptualize the idea of I being something other than my body, my mind, my accomplishment, my intellect, my wealth, whatever I consider to be me, how do I get rid of that? And that's the conundrum we have. Intellectually understanding that this cannot be me, however, it is very difficult for us to switch that identification because we don't have anything else to hang on to. The mind has to find another identification for to give up the one it is having right now. When my body is suffering, my identification is clearly with my body. I am suffering, I am sick, I am hurting. Then when the mind gets upset, then 
suddenly the body's identification gets dropped. At that time, I'm the healthiest person in the world, but my mind is not healthy. I never switch from body to the mind. Now, whatever my mind is, I am unhappy. I'm happy. I'm sorrowful because my identity switched from body to mind. And then, when I'm an inspired moment, has great ideas. I'm that. I am my intellect. That defines me who I am. But now, beyond these three, I don't have anything else to go on. So I keep switching among these three, depending on where my mind is attaching it to. The quest here is to get out of this identification with these three and go to the fourth one. And that's our struggle. So is the struggle for Arjuna. So Arjuna said, you give me some pointers, some techniques in what form I should think about you, the immortality, you, the imperishable being, who is also I, the imperishable being. So in response to that, Bhagwan has given this 75 analogy. It covers Arjuna's entire world of being, from his Puranic to Vedic to his day-to-day to transcendental and before Bhagavan starts, he said, I am the source of everything. And then again, he comes back in verse 32 and remind him that I am the beginning and the middle of all that is existing. Everything comes into existence because of me. They have a beginning because of me. They have a middle because of me and because of me. And then we had been seeing various examples and we have the privilege to learn about our Puranas and Vedas. Bruhat Sam Tatha Sam Nam Gayatrim Chandasam Aham. Few more analogies Bhagwan gives. The Bruhat Sam. Among the Sam Vedas, meters and Bruhat. There are several meters. Rigveda is written in prose. So Rigveda's mantra is called Richas. The same Rigveda is converted into poetry, becomes Samaveda. And Samaveda, because it's a poetry, all the mantras are in meters. Samaveda has the roots of all our Indian music, our Indian poetry, all come from Samaveda. So to master the art of chanting Samaveda mantras, you have to master this various meters and various in the compositions. Bruhat is supposed to be the most complex meter. Among all stamanas, I am Bruhat because it is the most glorified and also most complex. Gayatri Chandasamaham and among the meters, I am Gayatri. We all learned last time that Gayatri is actually the shortest meter. It has 24 syllables eight in each line, and three lines only. Most common chand we know is Anustup Chand, Bhagavad Gita is Anustup Chand, which is four lines of eight syllables. Go to Tristub, when, when there is a longer meter, the four lines of 11 syllables. There are many, many chandas. There is one is Sikharini Chand, which I know, Ratnai, Kalpitam, Asanam, Himajalam, they are Sikharini chand. So there are many chants, but these three are most common in our Vedic literature. Gayatri is the most popular, in a sense that the Gayatri mantra, which is called Gayatri mantra because of the meter, 
just as we are called hindus because we come from hind not other way around hindustan is not called hindustan because we are hindus hindus are called hindus because we come from hindustan from sindhu became hindu people from that land of sindhu became hindus same way gayatri mantra is not because it's in the praise of gayatri it's actually in the praise of savitar which is sun sun god in vedic deities savitar is one of the most prominent and we could probably understand why our life depends on sun if there is no energy from sun we won't be around so gayatri is the mantra in the praise of savitar but it is done in gayatri meter so it's called gayatri mantra and swami ji points out it is probably the longest chanted mantra in the history of humankind from longest period by the largest number of people so from when in the vedic period was written till now gayatri mantra is the most chanted mantra in the human history bhagwan says among the chandas am gayatri that which defines the divinity the most masana margasirsoham the second month in the hindu calendar at least from gujarati's point of view because our year starts from kartik the next come margasirsa rutunam kusumakaraha and among the ritus the seasons am spring understandable the most comfortable time at least in india would be between december and january after february i'm not coming there i did go there in may and suffered through heat at the most comfortable time you know december to january that's margasirsa and spring time right after that will be obviously is the most enjoyable we everybody look forward to spring in every country most colorful most enjoyable most comfortable so bhagwan said i am masanam margasirsa ham and rutunam kusumakara bhagwan time and again clarifies that not that everything else is not me but that's where you will have easier time to identify with the power of divinity the power of almighty in his manifestations the next he says dyutam chalayatam asmi he changes gear here from the best to the worst but even among the worst best among the worst among the jewel thieves some who are the most glorified movies are made on them right now there is some controversy going on in india about that movie race should be seen or not because sarukh khan portrays some gunda i guess but he says the police officer who was really hero he is not glorified in that but among the gundas also there once were glorified dyutam chalayatam asmi Swamiji points out here we Hindus were never satisfied that Bhagwan can only be confined to divinity the good only if everything is his manifestation you can't leave anything out so you have to include all good bad and ugly as his expression only so therefore he gave this example among the fraudulence among the cheaters i'm gambling you know why other cheating if you cheat somebody will be put in jail If you found out that you are cheating your boss, taking money from his account, well, you will be put in jail. But he loses in gambling, you will be legally will take his money away. People will actually praise go to Las Vegas. We all know, we are intelligent enough to know that the system is designed so the house wins all the time. 
house can never lose. Otherwise, they won't be in business. Right? We still gladly go. I don't gamble, but we gladly go. Put our money and lose. Then we tell stories about how I was winning. But then in the end, I lost. See how great that game is? They take your money away, make you feel good, and still legally, they are on the side of the law. That is the art of gambling. Taking something away from somebody which does not belong to you, till considered legal and glorified. All other fraud, you can be put in jail. If you are found that you are the cheater. You took away somebody's money which you never earned. Here you gladly give away your hard-earned money and then come back and say, well, I had a great vacation in Las Vegas. <laughs> Anywhere else you do that? You say, those are cheaters. I went on a cruise and they did this and that. There you are so glad that you give away gladly. That's the glory of the game. The Bhagavan said, Dyuta chalayata vasmi. And Swamiji reminds us, Pandava lost everything because of the gambling. But Yudhishthir, not just that he liked the game, Rajanidhi at the time, if somebody challenges you in the game of dice, you can say no. If you are a really a royal king, you can say no. It was cowardice. So Yudhishthir didn't really have much choice but to play. Again, says the glory of gambling, Yudhishthir is a dharmaraj. He knew everything what is right and wrong in his life. And he could have taken a right decision. Here he could. So Bhagavan said, Dyutam chalayatamasmi. I'm the most glorified of all the cheating gambling. Tejahat tejasvinamaham. Among the splendid and splendor. If somebody says, define me what the splendor is, you can't really define it. You know the splendid objects you can define. Splendor you cannot. That is something you experience. So therefore, I am that which is inexplicable in the explicable objects. Goodness in good is a good person. Define goodness. We can define really goodness. We can define his good acts, his good nature. Everything that good becomes adjective. But not good as a noun. You can never goodness as a noun. You cannot define Again, inexplicable in the world of Prakriti. Jaya Asmi, I'm the victory. Vyavasayo Asmi. Vyavasay, actually, in a vernacular, my professor. Transaction. Here it says determination. But Vyavasaya is something I engage into, is my Vyavasaya. Now, I can never, never define why and what I'm engaging into. But without that, I can't exist. People who retire, you take them away from the Vyavasaya. They lose their identity. Now, I know we have retired people here. But they also have to fall back upon their glories of the past. He's a retired surgeon. He's a retired president. Obama for the rest of his life. I really pity those people. Very young. He will be jobless for the rest of his life. At his age, you know. He will keep finding something to put himself in the position of, you know. Bill Clinton, he has to create foundation and whatever it is. Because if he doesn't do that, who will think about it? He has nothing to do, literally. You know. So he said, Vyavasayasmi, 
I am who you think, who you are. Jaya victory. We define ourselves by our accomplishment, where we won, where we lost. We always talk great things about the projects we have won against all odds. We never tell people the projects we lost, where we should have won. Jaya, Jaya is something we always glorify. Vyavasayasmi, Satvam, Satvavatam Aham, that I'm the goodness and good. Again, it's a goodness is something that cannot be defined, but with that we can define the object which is good. The Bhagavan says, I'm those abstract qualities in people which makes them who they are. Without them, they won't be who they are. But I am not that. Vrishninam Vasudeva Asmi. From the qualities, now he goes back to the people and genealogy. Vrishninam Vasudeva Asmi. I am the Vasudeva among Vrishnis. We know why he Vrishnis, because his ancestor was Vrishni. From the Yadukul, from the king Yadus, one of his sons was Vrishni and his descendant Varsneyas. And those Vrishnis, I'm saying Vasudeva. His father's name Vasudeva. So he's called Vasudeva. Vasudeva Sutam Devam Kansuchanur Mardaram. He's the son of Vasudeva. He's Vasudeva. He's the most glorified. We don't remember any of the Vrishnis. Vasudeva, everyone knows. I'm the most successful, the greatest among Vrishnis. Pandavanam Dhananjaya. Among Pandavas, you, Arjuna, Dhananjaya. One of the name of Arjuna is Dhananjaya, because the victors of wealth. He has fought so many battles before. And every time you win battle, what happened? You collect all that. You can collect from that kingdom. So he was called Dhananjaya. He was the most victorious one. So Pandavanam Dhananjaya. Dhananjaya, he was, Arjuna was the wealth getter. Because Dhananjaya. They say, among Pandavas, you are. You are the most glorious one. So the question here now is, why Krishna is now falling back on himself and Arjuna when he was talking about the great people? Well, if we have to identify with something we belong to, where you should start first? From you. If we have to define, have to explain somebody, if we both of us are talking, say, Neil, what is Gita group? So Gita group, you are Aya Gita group. You are part of the Gita group. You come every... So you are part of Gita group. And I am Gita group. I come here every... Oh, we are the first one who can experience what Gita group is all about. So if we have to explain to somebody among ourselves what Gita group is all about, we can start from ourselves. What our experiences are. What makes me a Gita group participant. So, Bhagavan said, divinity starts from you and I. Who I am today is because of this divinity in me, and who you are today is because of the divinity in you. You recognize that, you will recognize who that immortal being is. Muninam aham vyasaha. Among the munis, I am vyasa. Now again, Swamiji says, this is not a self-advertisement with vyasa writing himself. We do not know whether Krishna said this word and Vyasa just transcribed it or Vyasa wrote it and attributed it to Krishna. 
But Swamiji points out here the Vyasa is attributed all our scriptures. Brahma Sutra, Puranas, Vedas. He was the first editor. The Vedas, Richas were all over the place. He compiled them and made them into four sets of mantras which became four Vedas. So he was the great editor. Not only that, but he changed the whole style of dialogue. All dialogues before Puranas were in the form of very concise mantras. The ideas are packed into a very small meter and then left to the listener and the student to figure out what it means. When you read Upanishad, Upanishad, we talk Upanishad. Well, they are actually one page each. If you read that, you won't find anything in it. But then you read commentaries after commentaries and you find a great wealth of wisdom in it. Compared to that, Mahabharata, you can read like a storybook. It's a page turner. So one who elaborates is Vyasa. Vyasa changed the whole style of dialogue between a student and a teacher. From a very abstract method of Upanishads to very direct method of elaborating every point. Repeating over and over and over again. Till you get it. Muninam Vyasaham. And the style which changed the entire dialogue between the student and the teacher. I'm that Muni, Vyasa. Kavinam Usana Kavim. Swamiji says here that we can really find reference to Usana. But historians like our Professor Bhargav have clearly identified him as Dadechi's son. Bhrugu's son is Dadechi's, Dadechi's son is Kavi Usana. And Kavim is the one who is the seer. So all the Rishis who contributed Richas to Rugveda are called Kavis. But they were seers. They saw the nature's glory and in that inspirational moment what they composed became Rugvedic Richas. So those are called Kavis because they were seers of something which is not perceptible. Something which you and I could not see but the seers saw it. And then without any selfish notion to it that I figured out, they gave it to the world as the description. So Usana is also called Sukracharya. Sukracharya was Daitya's teacher, guru, with Raj Purohit. So as the story goes, Sukracharya was the one-eyed. In Gujarati, we don't want to say he's a kana, he's the one-eyed. He's a Sukracharya. <laughs> he was not born with one-eyed. Bhagavan Vishnu took a Vaman avatar. Because they wanted to defeat Bali. Bali was getting so powerful by his own tapas. He acquired not the entire kingdom of the earth, but also most of the heavens. So Indra got worried that now he's going to take over the entire heaven. I'll lose my position. It runs to Vishnu. Vishnu always has some tricks up his sleeves. He becomes that small Brahmin, a little boy Brahmin with a small stride and goes to Bali when he was doing yagna and said, I'm here to ask for Bhiksha. Again, the niti at the time, if a Brahmin comes to your door, the king's door, and asks for something, if you are a real royal king, you will give it to him. So Bhagwan in Pamanavatar asked Bali that I'm here, the Brahmin, 
And Sukracharya realized he was a seer. He could see. That's not a little Brahmin boy. He is Vishnu himself. One with a long stride. Vishnu means the one who has a long stride. Is Vishnu. He is a Vaman Avatar with a small stride. King Bali said, okay, you can ask whatever you want. He said, I'm asking you three steps worth of land. Sukraja realized that he is in trouble. So he went into the Kamandalu. He hid himself into that Kamandalu with the water. Sankalpa water. You have to take the water and say, yes, I'm giving you this. They used to darba, the grass called darba. So that you take the darba, dip it into the water and give Sankalpa. Sukracharya hid inside the Kamandalu so the Bali cannot take the Sankalpa. Bali took the darba. It pierced the Sukracharya's one eye. And he did Sankalpa anyway. Then Vaman, because Virata Swarup, the first tried, he took over the entire earth. Second, he took over the entire heaven and said, now, where do I put my third step? The Bali said, put on my head. And Bali was given mukti. The significance is also, when you surrender, Bhagwan will destroy your ego and you will be released. But that is Sukracharya. Kavim, Kavinam Usinam Kavim. Among all the seers, I am Usina Kavim. Dando Damayatam Asmi Nitihi Asmi Jigishatam Among the Panisas. Now here it's a scepter. A normal dand, normal baton or normal stick does not have much power. Whatever is the way as strong as you are, you can hit somebody with that. But one with the authority. A stick in a hand of a criminal and a stick in the hand of a policeman. Who has more power? Policeman with authority. Among the Panesar and the scepter, a stick with authority. Basically, authority. I'm the authority among the Panesars. Panesar, I want to punish somebody, but I have no authority. It doesn't do anything good. But an authority to punish him, that will be the most effective. Bhagavan says, I'm their authority. Niti he asked me. Niti means policy. What is the policy of your current? administration. Everybody says, we don't know. Niti is the guiding factor of how you do things, who you are, how your organization or the country will function. Without that, I can't even define myself. I cannot define my organization. I cannot define my country. What is the Niti of Russia? We know it's communism. What is the Niti of U.S.? Democracy. But without that, we can define the country or an organization. So therefore, I am the defining principle, the policy, niti. So Rajaniti, Arthaniti, niti asmi jigishatam, maunamcha eva asmi, guhyana, among the secrets and silence. Secret is only secret as long as you don't utter it out. My clients come to me and say, Neil, this is really a secret, you know, because we have not made this deal public yet, so don't tell anybody. And then other people come and tell me the same thing. You know. How do you guys know? So we know. But I said, they, they still thought that they are keeping a secret by telling everybody. <laughs> telling them, don't tell don't tell everybody, don't tell everybody. By, by the time you're done, you have told everybody the secret. Secret is you never utter, Ever. Is a secret. That silence is the greatest among the secrets. Swamiji says, what is the greatest secret in ourselves? Who I am. Who myself is. 
that is always silence. I can only recognize it in silence only. With all the noise in my thoughts and intellect, I will never be able to find myself. It is in the silence that I will recognize myself. So Bhagavan said, Maunam Chayvasmi Gohyanam Gnanam Gnanavatamaham And I'm the knowledge among the knowers. The knower is nothing. Knower is not a knower without a knowledge. So therefore Bhagavan said, I am the knowledge which you will recognize in your silence. We'll stop right here. Om Sarve Bhavantu Sukhina Sarve Santu Niramayaha Sarve Bhadrani Pashyantu Ma Kaschit Dukkha Bhagbhave Om Shantihi 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 Harihiyo Shri Guru Bhyo Namaha Harihiyo